gospel lesson this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 20, chapter 21, verses uh, 21 through 40. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? When the eighth day came, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification, according to the laws of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the law, in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice offering to what is slated in the, in the, in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus uh, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people of Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will, be, and a sword will pierce your own, your own soul too. There also was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then as a widow, then as a widow of the age of 84, she never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and praying night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to, to all who were looking for redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Good morning. Before I begin, I thought I turned this on. Let me just check. It's saying green. Good. We receive these cards uh, for Lent, the Lenten season and the Advent season, and I really think they're fantastic. I had it hung right over my computer, but I'd like to explain an error I had made this week on the Facebook Live. Today is not 
the final sermon in this series. It's next week with generosity. In my pre-Christmas excitement, I just looked over to the right and saw curiosity. I didn't realize that generosity was supposed to be forward so that that was last. So we'll be having that next week. So I wanted to clarify that to you so you can look forward to that. Today for the children's sermon, I have chosen the book, Ada Twist, Scientist. I had gone online, I didn't like the selection, so I called the library and I spoke to the uh, youth director of that section of the library and she said she'd pull some newer ones for me and so I went, I had four to choose and I chose this one and I hope you'll like it as much as I do. Ada Marie, Ada Marie, said not a word till the day she turned three. She bounced in her crib and looked all around, observing the world but not making a sound. She learned how to climb and made her big break with a trail of chaos left in her wake. She ran through the day chasing each sound and sight and didn't slow down till she conked out at night. Her parents were frazzled, but tried not to freak as Ada grew bigger and still did not speak. Clearly young Ada, with lots in her head, would have something to say when it ought to be said. That's just what happened when Ada turned three. She tore through the house on a fact-finding spree. She climbed up the clock just as high as she could. Her parents yelled, stop, as all good parents would. Ada's chin quivered. She tried not to cry. She took a deep breath. She simply asked, why? Why does it tick and why does it talk? Why don't we call it a granddaughter clock? She started with why then what, how, and when, by bedtime she came back to why once again. She drifted to sleep as her parents' dazed smile at the curious thoughts of their curious child, who wanted to know what the world was about. They kissed her and whispered, you'll figure it out. Her parents kept up with their high-flying kid, whose questions and chaos both grew as she did. Even Miss Greer found her hands were quite full when young Ada's chaos wreaked havoc at school. But this much was clear about Miss Ada Twist. She had all the traits of a great scientist. Ada was busy that first day of spring testing the sounds that make mockingbirds sing. When a horrible stench whacked her right in the nose, a pungent aroma curled up her toes. Zowie, said Ada, which got her to thinking, what is the source of that terrible stinking? How does a nose know there's something to smell? And how does it still stink if there's no nose to tell? She rattled off questions and tapped on her chin. 
she'd start at the start where she ought to begin. A mystery, a riddle, a puzzle, a quest. This was the moment that Ada loved best. Ada did research to learn all she could of smelling and smells both of stinky and good. One hypothesis Ada thought could be true, the terrible stink came from Dad's cabbage stew. She tested and tested, but soon Ada knew it was time to come up with hypothesis two. Then Zowie, the stink struck again, just like that. Hypothesis two, it's caused by the cat. The cat couldn't make such a stink on its own. It needed perfume and some fancy cologne. So young Ada tested, the test was a flop. She started again, but her parents yelled, stop. Ada Marie, Ada Marie, to the thinking chair now. By the time we count three. Enough, said her mother. That's it, said her dad. Her parents were frustrated, frazzled, and mad. Why, Ada questioned. Her mother said, no. What, Ada queried. Her father said, go. You've ruined our supper. You've made the cat stink. Enough with your questions. Now sit there and think. She looked at her parents. Her heart turned to goo. Poor Ada didn't know what to do. She sat all alone by herself in the hall and once more could say nothing at all. So Ada sat and she sat and she thought about science and stew and the cat, and how her experiments made such a mess. Does it have to be so? Is that part of success? Our mess is a problem. And while she was thinking, what was the source of that terrible stinking? Ada Marie did what scientists do. She asked a small question, and then she asked two. And each of those led her to three questions more and some of those questions resulted in four. As Ada got thinking, she really dug in. She scribbled her questions and tapped on her chin. She started at why, then what, and how and when. At the end of the hall, she reached why once again. Her parents calmed down, and they came back to talk, they looked at the hallway and just had to gawk. No patch of the bare paint could be seen on the wall. The thinking chair now was the great thinking hall. They watched their young daughter and sighed as they did. <clears throat> what would they do with this curious kid who wanted to know what the world was about? They smiled and whispered, we'll figure it out. And that's what they did because that's what you do when your kid has a passion and a heart that is true. They remade their world. Now they're all in the act of helping young Ada sort fiction from fact. She asked lots of questions. How could she resist? It's all in the heart of a young scientist.
And as for that smell, what can Ada Twist do but all learn what she can from her friends in grade two? Will they discover the stink that curls toes? Now that is the question, and someday, who knows? Could you join and echo after me in our echo prayer? Dear God, come into our hearts. Spark our curiosity. Let us keep the flame going as we explore new ways to keep our faith strong. Amen. Just returning, putting my microphone back up into my pocket. Guess I'll have to take a few stitches there to get that not quite as loose. Before I begin my sermon, I would like to share some information about the author of the book. Women have been scientists for long as there has been science. They've asked questions and looked for answers to the secrets of the universe of soil and stars, stalactites and seahorses, glaciers and gravity, brains and black holes. Ada Marie Twist is named for two of the many women whose curiosity and passion led them to make great discoveries. Marie Curie discovered the elements of polonium and radium and her work led to the invention of x-rays. Ada Lovelace was a mathematician and the very first computer programmer. This book is a part of a series of books about questions. If you'd like to leave the book, look at it, you can look in the back flap and see the series. It's really very interesting. As I begin my sermon, we see the first slide of Simeon and Anna with Jesus in the temple. As we heard in the scriptures, Simeon was righteous and devout. He was a good keeper of the promise as he permitted God to guide him and the word as coming to fruition. We let this lead us as we need to be patient to see what the Lord has in store for us. We all understand only too well how difficult this is for all of us. Simeon and Anna teach us to continue praying. God's timing might not be the same as ours. We need to persevere and wait on the Lord. Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. As we read in this morning's Advent devotional by Pastor Monica, what is consolation? From the spirituality practices of the Ignatian community, we understand that we dwell in a state of consolation when we move toward God's active presence in today's world. We know we're moving this way when we sense the growth of love or faith or mercy or hope, any qualities that we think as of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
if I'm becoming more kind with people and I experience this movement of life-giving and Christ-like, I'm in a state of consolation. Simeon was openly curious and expecting God to show up. We understand that Simeon is explaining about Jesus and how he would fulfill prophecies. Simeon had been waiting and his life had attained his goal. He knew he could pass on in peace, having seen and embraced Jesus. We're the same way. We're not whole without Jesus in our lives. That is how God made us, so that we would be accomplished with Jesus. What hymns come to your mind when you think of having Jesus in your life? As Simeon blessed the child, he went on to foretell of his destiny to be a part of the rise and fall of many in Israel as he prophesied about the opposition and inner thoughts being revealed. He spoke to Mary and said, and a sword will pierce your soul too. We as parents know when children weep, we taste salt. So it is with one's flesh and blood. There's a bond that can only be understood when one endures it. Anna was widowed at a very young age, which was an especially difficult time for her. She stayed at the temple and worshiped with fasting and prayer day and night. At the moment she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. God likes to use people who may seem insignificant to share important messages and events. Are we taking time to listen to the people in our lives who might not otherwise catch our ear? Today is the first day of the new year. We need to have the power of the Holy Spirit with us at all times. How are we going to accomplish that one? Let us look at the definition of curious. Curious is an adjective, eager to know or learn. I began to be curious about the whereabouts of the bride and groom, strange and unusual. As we saw in the children's message, Ada was filled with questions. She wanted to know the what, where, when, and how of everything. I had a college professor that used to design his essay questions that required the answers to who, what, when, where, why, and so what. He wanted us to know why a given event, person, or whatever had any significance on the world. He taught us to think. As we look at this statue, The Thinker by Rodin, how does it pique your curiosity? What are you thinking about and being curious? As Pastor Monica said in this morning's devotional, curiosity is a spiritual gift that allows us to be open and expectant to what God might be doing in our lives. Curiosity opens us to receive the positive and the negative with the same open framework and ask questions of how God is calling us in the season, moving away from certainty and to faith. May we be curious this year and open to the presence of the Holy Spirit 
like Simeon. When we see this slide, be curious and think about having our thinking caps on and being ready for 2013 and all that is going to bring us into positive curiosity. Some of you have talked or emailed me about being curious about our Bible studies work. You wonder if you would be comfortable in the group or would you feel outranked by other people. Unlike some places, our Bible studies are very accommodating and nurturing. We learn together and are being led by people like Pastor Monica. Pastor Monica just finished our Advent Bible study. There are two new ones being offered in January. They're both on Wednesday nights. Peggy is teaching one of them, and the other one is a Puma course. Peggy's group will meet on Wednesday evenings in person and on Zoom. It will run from 6.30 until 8, and they will start studying the book. As Cliff had mentioned earlier, We Make the Road by Walking by Brian D. McLaren. It would be best if everyone could attend each session, but each week is a separate lesson. Let Peggy know so she can have the correct number of books available. Pastor Monica teaches a weekly Bible study on Wednesday mornings at 10.15 in the lounge, in person and on Zoom. She also teaches adult Sunday school at 9.45 each week during the Sunday school year. The Puma course is on Wednesday nights at 6.45 on Zoom, and they will study the Bible in a year, which you may have already seen the chart that we have available so that you can check off when you have completed your participation. They will be getting moving and asking questions. The Disciple One Bible Study partners with other United Methodist Church. Come grow in your faith and meet new people and learn about the Bible. Please let the office know if you're interested in it. Bible study helps to build community, and we get to know one another and build relationships. In the new year, God calls us to renew community. Pastor Monica mentioned a book in today's Advent devotional. The church cracked open, disruption, decline, and new hope for the beloved community. A church that has been humbled by disruption and decline may be less of an arrogant and presumptuous church. It may have fewer delusions about its own power and centrality. It may become curious. It may be less willing to ally with the empires and powers that have long defined it. It may finally admit how much it needs the true power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I ordered the book, and I'm about halfway through it. It's very interesting and has some quotes from some very famous people, like my favorite, Dr. Martin Luther King, and about how we yearn to have a beloved community. It stresses achieving accomplishments in nonviolent ways. I'm so pleased with it that I ordered a copy for Pastor Monica so that she may have her own copy. We need to accept the reality that changes have to be made in order for us to help others and be receptive to the messages of God. How are you going to say yes to curiosity this year? 
Stephanie Vioza wrote an article about the eight habits of curious people. She had penned it to help people have more success on the job. Do any of them speak to you? Think about how your curiosity relates. The eight habits of curious people. Number one, they listen without judgment. Number two, they ask lots of questions. Number three, they seek surprises. Number four, they are fully present in the moment. They are willing to be wrong. It's hard to do. They make time for curiosity. They are not afraid to say, I don't know. They don't let past hurts affect the future. To listen without judgment does take some concentration and maturity. Asking lots of questions gets easier with time. I used to have to spend time encouraging my students to keep asking me if they did not understand it the first time. Many of them thought that they only drew one question card. Seeking surprises can be as easy as taking a drive to see the autumn leaves or newly fallen snow when the weather permits. Are you present in the moment or are you on your cell phone or doing something else when family members want to talk to you? My problem with being present in the moment is I reply before the person has had a chance to finish their sharing of his or her ideas. It drives my sons crazy. Being able to be wrong, now that is tough. How do you make time for curiosity? Do you like to go for a walk and look at the birds like Ada did in making the sounds of a mockingbird? Saying, I don't know is hard in the beginning, but it gets easier with time. Can we not let past hurts affect the future? I've had some times in my life where a rough start with someone, we got past it, became great friends. Let's look back on Simeon and Anna and set a New Year's resolution to say yes to curiosity as we enrich our relationship with God. This, my friends, is the gospel, the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.